Welcome, screensavers. I'm Michael Gallup. I'm Matt Sturdivant. I'm Tyler Slipkus. Together, we host the Silver Screen Savers podcast. Today, we have a bit of a special episode for you. If you've clicked on the play button, but you don't know what the letters is, please stick with us anyway. We're going to tell you about it. It's an incredibly moving film, at least I thought so. We learned about it from the writer and director Robbie Walsh, who's quite the gentleman. It's a movie that deserves eyes on it. It's about an issue that needs attention and I think deals with the issue in a beautifully nuanced way. I watched it on Tubi, where it's free, which is always wonderful. What did you guys watch it on? Also Tubi. Yeah, I also watched it on Tubi. I also think it's available on Amazon. So this is set against a a recent, like past decade and also the past few recent years, a recent and ongoing issue in Ireland involving smear tests for cervical cancer. An alarming number of women receive false results um, from their cervical smear tests. And then when those results were found to be incorrect, they received false negatives, they were not informed of their real cancer diagnoses, right? Here's the info we get at the beginning. On April 26, 2018, the HSE, which is the Health Service Executive, the publicly funded healthcare system in Ireland, confirmed that 206 women had developed cervical cancer after a misdiagnosed false negative smear test. 162 of them were not informed that the initial results were incorrect. The results were buried, hidden away from them, and by this point, the misdiagnoses had been going on for years, so the women did not know that they had this this fatal disease. That's the foundation of the movie, right? So those are the real events still going on, by the way, Um, but this is a fictional movie. It's structured by three simultaneous stories of three women who receive these false negatives. We follow their lives before and then how they're affected by the lack of knowledge and then, you know, the final knowledge that they have cancer. Um, I I thought this movie was incredibly moving, but Matt, why don't you start us off? What did you think of it? I thought it was very touching and intriguing. I, I mean, I think it's a very important subject matter and i think it's it it was very interesting to me that this was a thing that happened and being not from ireland i i had no idea that this had even happened Mm -hmm. you know so i think it's very good on the filmmakers and robbie to really shed some light on this issue even though it might not you know, even though it may not have gotten the media coverage that it does probably deserved, um, I thought it was very well made. I thought the acting was all fantastic. I thought it every every character felt realistic, which only made it even more tough to watch as it went on, but not tough to watch in that the quality was bad, but tough to watch just because the subject matter is just so harrowing. But I think it's an important watch, and I'd say it's definitely worth worth your time. I agree. Tyler, what do you think? I mean, I agree with a lot of what Matt said. Um, it is a very moving film. It's touching. Very sad. But I just think it's interesting to take an event... Like, if you just read about this event, you can obviously think, oh, that's horrible. You know, it's horrible that this happened. But it was a smart idea to take three separate women, all from different walks of life, all to show how they've all been affected by it. And it really hits home with how bad 
of an issue this was. And to think this happened to 206 women is awful. Well, 162, I think, were the ones that were misinformed. Um, but, like, it's just horrible to think about. And I think by bringing it down to just a small group of women that it's about, you kind of get involved with them. You see their lives and you see how it affects them. And it makes it much more a heartbreaking issue than just reading about it and being like, oh, that's that's terrible. It's, it's a much more personable look at, like, a big tragedy. And it, I think it really hits home that, like... Just to think, like, that could happen to any woman in your life, and, like, you could see the similarities in the women there, and, like, how tough that would be. So I think it was very effective at showing that. Yeah, you you, you said it all. Absolutely great. One of my favorite things about this is that it is such a humanizing movie, and both on the dark side of things and on the light. The light is not is not skimped on in this movie, which I absolutely loved. It, before we get the tragedy of what happens to these women, we get to know them so well. There's definitely a celebration of life here and acknowledgement of the challenges of life. Tyler, like you said, it makes the later tragedy so much more effective, humanize the characters so much. Everything felt very real. It doesn't shy away from the devastation, but it, it doesn't wallow in despair either but without cheapening the impact of what happens. This is this is going to sound silly, but I think it's actually a pretty rare accomplishment for a movie, is that it made death feel real and significant, right? I feel like when you read about death, and in most movies when you watch death happen, it's kind of like, oh, that's sad, but it's like movie sad. I was really gutted by the end of this thing. It was like, oh my god, this is like real. Uh, so what we're going to do now is we're going to kind of walk through the movie. So, you know, we're going to be talking about the beginning first and then moving to the end. So, I, again, anybody who hasn't seen this, I would definitely recommend you watch it. I would encourage you to watch it. It's really great. In the beginning, we get this ballerina played by Donna Riley Parrish. First of all, anytime you give me something to watch or to look at during the opening credits, you've won me over. I, I cannot take just blank opening credits. I know that makes me such a, a moron for not being able to sit for three seconds, but I just cannot stand it. So anytime you give me that, I love it. But I also, I love, it's this lone ballerina dancing under a single spotlight, and it really sets the tone of this movie being about recognizing what is beautiful in life, right? And raising the stakes, saying that our time on earth is precious. Look at the amazing things what we can we can do. Life cannot be lost unnecessarily like this. So I, I really love that right there in the beginning. And then we get Sam, who is played by Mary Murray. First of all, a big, big hats off to the cast, especially the three leads here. Uh, we have Mary Murray, we have Sarah Carroll, we have Kathleen Warner Yeats. All three phenomenal. Love them all. But Sam is a single mother of four girls. I have to say, I'm not a parent, but I am a public school teacher. And all this like bickering about stupid stuff and like pretty much doing crowd control 24 hours a day, that's real. That was like as real as it gets. Like I was like, I have to turn this off because I'm not at work and I don't want to be at work right now. As someone who was a... Uh, the youngest child of four siblings, of, well, I had three siblings. I was the youngest of four. That is absolutely what parenting was. It's just trying to control, <laughs> crowd control, like you said. 
So when she said, I hate school and school hates you back, how accurate was that? <laughs> That's pretty accurate. That is something like a mother would absolutely say <laughs> to her kids. I could hear yeah, those, I could hear my mom saying that. Those are the things that run through my head, but uh, not not allowed to say. So uh, strugg- she's struggling to pay off debts. She's getting into more debt. You know these these loan sharks just to pay off others. <laughs> I love the moment when the loan guy is at her house and he asked her to make her a cup of tea, and then he doesn't drink it. Like what a total douche move to not drink it. And then she goes, "You're not gonna drink your tea." You, you know, I won't say the word. Was, wasn't that well? I, isn't isn't that word like not as not as like offensive in other countries it, compared to the, it's the U.S. Not, here? But. I don't even generally like to say ass on the show, so I'm not about to drop a C right I mean, in the middle of an episode. I mean, our international listeners can definitely clarify that for us. Wasn't the whole tea thing a motif, though? Because I feel like that happened with multiple characters. It was. Yes, it was, right? We we get it in the big sort of like interrogation scene with the minister. We get it at the end at the same guy with the, with the lone guy. Um, it, it definitely was. Yeah, it was this, uh, I think, one, perhaps a sexist thing, and two, this, like, how, why are you going to pile this one more thing onto me? Why? Why are you asking this of me? Uh, then we get Cleona, who's played by Sarah Carroll, who is an actor who can do a lot while her body is not doing much, if that makes sense. Like, e- like even when she was just sitting looking at something, there was so much going on in her face I was like, wow, this this is incredible. She's an isolated woman. She lives alone. She's she's very ordered. She works for the health ministry. She has, and I love that they included this in the movie, she has a crush on one of her co-workers, and she has these grand, sweet fantasies about them. I, don't, I can't believe I haven't mentioned this. So this movie is primarily in black and white. But then we get these like shocks of color. And the first time we got full color is when she's having this romantic fantasy about this man. I thought it was so sweet. And I also thought the receptionist love triangle was funny, right? I think the guy that she likes, his name is Michael, I think. And the receptionist clearly also likes him. So she's jealous of Cleona. And that plays really wonderfully into a later scene and then we get mary who's played by kathleen warner yates who's also incredible uh she just made me cry so much in this movie like my lord like more than i have in a very long while with a movie she takes care of her her declining health older mother bridget who's played by ann russell she was also great but again such a sad subject having to care for an older parent who is senile um, who you know is going to go soon. But it opens, it's so cute. They're playing pirate together. They're like running around the halls and giggling. It was one of those choices that I was talking about before. It didn't need to be in there. They could have so easily cut it, but it made things so much better and so much more personal. Um, this this situation I related to personally, so I, I recognized a lot of things sort of in, in their relationship. You know, it... Because those, when you have a relative like that, things can get very terrifying. Even the little moments, like when she, when uh, Mary finds her mom, like holding the tea in in the kitchen, and I, I was like, oh no, oh no, that's not good. It's really suspenseful. You know what Mary's dealing with. Um, the mom doesn't always know who her daughter is. Sometimes there's like 
glimmers of being lucid or not. And, you know, we also get the heartbreaking story that Bridget uh, was a very young mother. She was a teen mom and nuns took her daughter Mary away and gave her up for adoption. So Bridget hates nuns. How did you guys like the black and white? Do you think that was effective for this movie? I thought so. I thought it was an, I, uh, I thought it was a good stylistic choice. Tyler, did you care either way? Well, I, I thought it was fine. I, I don't think if this was in color, I would have had a change of opinion about it. But I did think it kind of worked well to be kind of like, this is when things aren't great, is when it's why. Because like, they kind of use, like you said, the the fantasy is in color. So it's kind of like yeah. when when there's when they're in rough times, it's it's black and white, which I I, I kind of like that aesthetic. Yeah, I, I agree. So we're we're kind of introduced to these three separate stories um, in their own time, but after that, they start blending together. Thought the editing editing was done by Paul Harney and Andy Cavanaugh. I thought that was quite good, especially when we get later in the film. Um, you know, so like a song that Mary and Bridget are singing will play over clips of Sam and Cleona. Thought that was well done. It's like a solid half hour before we get an inkling that something is wrong. So I admire the film for taking its time. But then we get Sam collapsing on the couch. Cleona starts reading about the cervical cancer death, right? She's starting to feel symptoms too. I think in a worse version of this movie, it would have it would have seemed ridiculous that they all get symptoms at exactly the same time. But like we know what this movie is trying to say. It's trying to track um, the decline of this whole big group of women. And I think both the performances and the editing and the writing, the writing was so well done that it made sense for me. We know that these stories are supposed to stand in for, for so many women who had to suffer through this unnecessarily. It And Tyler, like you said at the very beginning, it feels very intimate while it's trying to make statements about this whole big group. So I admired it for that. I would like to break down the interrogation scene with the minister, who is played wonderfully by Robbie Walsh himself. He was great. This felt very much to me like the scene from um, The Assistant, the Kitty Green film from a couple of years ago. If anyone saw that, that one's a really good one, too. So we have the minister's publicist, played by Aisling O'Neill, who berates the reporter. Right, We kind of get the idea that the, the ministry is trying to cover this up. Cleona is giving the receptionist cupcakes that she made for Michael's birthday, right? The coworker that she has a crush on. The secretary, or the receptionist, excuse me, is pissed because she also likes Michael. Nice little thing that they throw in for later. Uh, the you know Then when we get into the meeting, Michael is kicked out. He can't be there with Cleona. The minister is saying that women get emotional. His publicist... She has a nice little moment where you can tell she's like annoyed that she has to defend her boss's sexism, but uh, she has to. He says no finger pointing, but he lays the blame on Cleona because she has approved the doctors who perform the cervical checks. And then Matt, like you mentioned, the motif, he has the audacity in the middle of this to ask for tea and like some sort of dessert, right? Not only the tea, he needs something sweet. So the secretary brings in the cupcakes that Cleona made for Michael so that Michael will never know that Cleona made him cupcakes. I like I thought that was great scripting. 
I love that. 100%. I agree. Yeah. Also, I just... I thought Cleona really stood in for anybody who's ever worked for anybody before. Where part of working as an adult is you just getting insulted by someone else all day long. <laughs> and that was a great example. And like, I... Robbie and his crew did a fantastic job of zooming in on these two fools as they like bite into cupcakes and sip their tea. If there's one way to get me to hate a human being, it's to show me them eating. I hate <laughs> to watch people eat and drink. It's so disgusting. I despise it. It's awful. So good job on that. You know, he makes a comment on her artist, on not her artist, her office, and then we get like the artistic autistic thing. Um, and then immediately cites her special needs as a reason for firing her. Not, not even firing her. They make her resign, um, which was really awful. Like, really masterfully done scene. Really liked it. And then we, in the middle of the film, we get voiceover from Emma Vic Mathuna, who was a real person who was affected by this. She was a mother. She ended up dying at the age of 37, but spoke out about this a lot. And we get some some voiceover from her talking about how she has to die now unnecessarily. Your kids will be left without a mother. Uh, what, what was your guys' reaction to that? Because I certainly wasn't expecting that in the middle of the movie. I wasn't either, but it just, I think it served as a poignant reminder that while the film is fictitious, there were real people that suffered the consequences of this scandal. Um, I think it also kind of relayed just how sudden it was for these women to be thinking, oh, they're fine, and then all of a sudden they have this, uh, like, terminal disease, like, and now all of a sudden they have, like, no time left. And it's kind of showing how jarred she was by that, like, how shocked she was, how much despair she felt you could just get that just through her voice for like i was fine and now i'm going to die soon and my kids are going to be left alone like that was heartbreaking yeah it was it was it's it's hard to describe the the actual emotion around it um watch the film for yourself but you know then we get the the women finding out through the letters and then six months later there's no help for them. There's no assistance. They're just in the same situations that they were before, but now their bodies are severely declining um, because they, they were not, there's no preemptive measures taken. There's no medical assistance for them, right? They're, they're just in utter bodily decay. And worse, they're, they're finding out that there aren't great options for their families when it's time for them to go, um, you know, Mary is, is fine. She's reading articles about elder abuse in homes. We have Sam who doesn't really know where her daughters are going to go. And then we get this like horrible, horrible moment where Mary is obviously not feeling well. She can't really get up off the floor. And her mom, her elderly mother, Bridget, goes up the stairs and just like falls. And it's like a really shocking and horrible moment. Um, entirely visceral. And then we get Sam, who is, she does herself up to meet with the loan officer. Mary Murray in this scene was super duper. You know, we she gives that old BS about like, oh yeah, I just cut back on the luxuries for the kids, right? Because they, they were living this lavish lifestyle, <laughs> yeah, according right. to the loan officer. 
and he's like, yeah, that always does it, doesn't it? And she's like, yeah, it does it. <laughs> so that, you know, it, it was a sad scene, but she, she was funny in it. Um, she, you know, she's just, she's trying to set things up for her children for after, after she has to go. Um, and then we get the, all right, you make us a cup of tea, Mary. And she goes, you can leave now. <laughs> yeah, Which, that was, yeah. That was cathartic. I gotta say to see her do that. Uh, yeah, Sam, you're my hero. So that's what I want to say to everybody who I encounter in life. Uh, maybe not everybody, but the the snark was amazing. Uh, shout out to John Connors as Anthony, who uh, he was really good in this. He was like the, would you say, like social worker? Yeah. Who worked with Bridget, yeah. the mother, and, and the girls. Yeah, he, he was really good. And then, like, oh my lord, we get mary who is crushing up like several bottles of pills and you know you know what's about to happen she's making up really this kind of like death cocktail um and then we see what she's going to do with it and then all of them kind of you know we get the different scenes but converging all of them take this final comfort and this was the moment these last few minutes of the movie that I just thought were transcendent. They were spectacular. I've watched them a couple of times. I'm probably going to watch them after we leave the mic here. But they they all take a final comfort, right? They know that they're going and they take a final comfort. Sam is in her bathroom, in bed, surrounded by her kids. Again, we get, we get close-ups of the kids' faces. They're about to be motherless. Um, we have Cleona in the bath. Right, just awful when she's crying by the side of the bath before she climbs in. And then Mary's scene with Bridget, I just like my lord could not this this was one of the best done scenes I've I've seen in a very long time, right? Bridget has what seems like a lucid moment, so they get to share this moment of happiness, and Mary explains that, you know, she knows that she's going soon. And she knows that her mother's time is limited too, and her mother mentally is already gone somewhat. And so she doesn't want her to have to be taken care of by somebody who doesn't know her. And so, you know, there is, um, she euthanizes both of them and they, they drink, they drink the, the crushed up pills in water and they lie down together. You know, Kathleen Warner Yeats just really knocked it out of the park and into outer space with this scene. I, this was gut wrenching. And then we get this like beautiful, beautiful music, explosion of color. It's the women in these heavenly states. And I thought it was such a beautiful way to give them dignity in their final moments, right? Some, some final peace um, at the end of their lives, which were much too short, uh, cut off too early. Um, I... This is, this is one of my favorite endings that I've seen in a very long time. So kudos to Robbie Walsh and to everybody, um, to the women who starred in this and everybody who worked on the film. Those are my thoughts. I couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah, it was, it was so good. Any final thoughts on the letters? I'm really curious to see where Robbie Walsh goes next. I agree. Yeah. I think... He tackled such a horrible subject matter very well. Like, he showed the incompetence of, like, the Minister of Health, or whatever they call him. Um, they showed just kind of how callous they were in just sending a letter and then abandoning these women. 
he he covered so much of this tragedy in only an hour and like 20 minutes um it's impressive like he gave us three stories that we got attached to the to the women in them and the people around them um and then showed us like just how they were failed and did it in a way that we we felt so like we felt what they felt almost and like we felt that just how there was nothing for them there was no help for them they were in such a horrible spot and it was really heartbreaking just to see him kind of break down towards the end and I, like you said mike i think it was really good that he did that dream sequence like to give them dignity because especially the shot where um cleona who died in the bathtub they showed her all dressed up and with the roses and stuff like that's a much better shot than just her in the bat like in a bathtub so i i think it was a good thing to give the women that we just got attached to who just went through horrible painful deaths this final moment of you know this is this is a good not a good place but like you know what i mean yeah it's it's some kind of peace and also you know not to be corny but with cleona in the bath as well we also get her in that fantasy staircase um, I don't think we see Michael again, but we do kind of get to see her in that fan. You know, it was it was uh, almost like a transition to heaven. It was I, I yeah I was I was totally blown away by like the last fifteen minutes of this movie. Couldn't be more impressed by them. All right, well, I again the listener, if you've made it this far, first of all, thank you. Second of all, if you haven't watched the movie, even though we explained it all, it's still much more impactful if you watch it yourself. Uh, we, we'd really love for a lot of people to see this. Again, it's on Tubi, so you can watch it for free. Also, shout out to Tubi. If you don't have Tubi, get on Tubi. Watch a lot of great stuff for free. Uh, but if you've seen it, you wanted to talk to us about it, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ScreensaversPod. Just shout us out anytime. We'll respond. You can write to us at SilverScreensaversPod at gmail.com. And our Facebook is Silver Screen Savers Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Silver Screen Savers podcast is hosted and produced by Michael Gallant, Tyler Sutkus, and Matt Sturdivant, with additional editing by Matt Sturdivant, intro music by Charles Michelle via Pixabay, logo designed by Nathan Seidel.